Welcome to room 4216. I'm so glad you've come. Good afternoon, Cecilia. Good morning, Pastor Dave. And, well, that leads me to say good night. <laughs> there morning, afternoons, I feel that way. It, it has been a little bit since the last time we recorded. I hope you had a, a good full week off. We did a bunch of research and reading. And, oh, boy, did we ever. And we're ready to get back at actually sitting down with our friends in room 4216. And we begin with... From the inbox. What do we have today? We have another letter from Cara. Hi, Cara. She asks, Dear Pastor Dave and Cecilia, What are mandrakes, and what did they have to do with Rachel and Leah and Jacob? Mm. Mm -hmm. And number two, Jacob put branches of almond and some other trees in the watering troughs and that made the streaked or speckled sheep and goats i think pastor dave said something about the science of the day or maybe old wives tales but i didn't really understand what was that all about and did it really work Hmm. good questions very good questions First, in some of our research, Cecilia, I think you looked up the mandrakes. What did you find on that? The mandrakes, mandrakes are, they weren't 100% sure um, which plant they were, but it was guessed that they were a kind of uh, aphrodisiac, uh, you know, something to kind of uh, enhance the sexual experience. Many um, cultures throughout the world think this plant or that plant, so... It doesn't matter really per se what it was. That's what they believed. Mm-hmm. And so it was desired and it was precious. Usually it's also something that doesn't go very well because I noticed uh, even when that happened and you read it that uh, he had to go searching for it. Yeah. So it wasn't just a quick, easy thing. No. And so um, uh, um, Rachel saying to, to Leah – Give me your mandrakes. Um, she really wanted those. The bartering tool mm-hmm. for something else she wanted. Yeah. Okay. And then the second question, the branches in the water. Um, we know now from our science today that that didn't work. But they were working and experimenting with many different things, even as people have done, even in our present day, with cross-breeding uh, 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 tomatoes to get a better tomato, a riper tomato, a faster-growing tomato, or a more plump tomato, or a more juicy tomato. They crisscross. And so they were trying different things. We know today that didn't work. Um, why did it work? That was a very good question in her heart. Because really that's the bottom line. God wanted to bless Jacob. Uh, And it's going to come up here fairly soon why he was blessing him. And also let's remember Jacob is in that descended, descended line of Abraham and Isaac. And so God has promised he's going to bless them all. So sometimes we can try things and... uh our theories and ideas might seem to work, but 
isn't is necessarily the reason the right why. Theory. And God's just going to bless us anyway. Yep, that's right. Pastor Dave, based on what Kara just asked in her second question, mm-hmm. I have a question. Okay. Here Jacob is, and he's done all this trickery and deception and such. Pretty much a scoundrel. And yet, Ran for his life. And yet he then um, gets... Gets the girl. Isn't there a song about that? Gets the girl <laughs> from... from uh, Little Mermaid, that's no, it. No, no, that's Kiss the Girl. Oh, Kiss the Girl. Sorry, wrong oh, thing. Oh, sorry. Um, but and he gets that, a second girl. Yes. And, and then he gets, gets a bunch of animals. Uh-huh. And... And a bunch more animals. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of men servants and a bunch of maid servants and more and more and more. Yeah. And all because he put a few branches in some watering troughs. And, and yet there are people today that are much more honest and godly and and they pray and they have needs and they don't even say lord i i want i want they just are and they're living in poverty how come jacob got it all hmm well first thing that comes to my mind is on that long journey that Jacob had from his mother's house, running for his life from Esau, he had a lot of time to think things over and realize, you know, I really made a mess of this. Maybe I should be different than I was back then. Instead of trying to get all that I want and the things that I need by deception and and trickery, maybe I should just, yeah, you know, I'll change. I'll be honest. And I will work hard. And so God did bless him because he did change and he was honest and he worked hard. Oh, so you're saying that I am deceptive and a trickster and I don't work hard? Um, that kind of hurts. Well, I didn't say you were those things. Well, what it seems like you're saying is if you're honest and if you don't deceive and if you work hard... You'll get everything that Jacob got. Well, I, uh, I am honest. Okay, I, I, I got you. Try now. not to lie, mm. and I do work hard, and still I don't get it all. So, yeah. how are you going to explain that? Hmm. Hmm. Well, in fact, that's part of what's going on here. Tell me about Terah, Abram's father. Yeah. Was he an honest guy? Uh, Was he a dishonest guy? Did he work hard? Did he not work hard? How about his sons? Can you tell me about them? Or how about um, Esau? What happened after Jacob left? Do we know anything about Esau's life after he left? What he did and and, and how he uh, uh, did his negotiations or planning? We... We learn a little uh, later. But very little of what the results are, right? Yeah. See, the Bible doesn't tell us everything. And and we don't know about all these different people. We do know that Esau was prosperous. We knew that Terah was prosperous, even as Abram was, and how they got it. We do know 
that uh, Jacob became prosperous, two things. One, with Jacob, and, and as we follow Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we are really following the spiritual promise, not the earthly promise. With the spiritual promise, that means that we will be blessed by a Savior and we will have spiritual blessings. And I bet with that, Cecilia, you can list a lot of blessings you have from the Lord. Of course. Yeah. Um, And no, you might not be filthy rich as earthly speaks, but you're pretty rich as it comes to heavenly things, aren't you? I guess I am, but sometimes... Yeah. Okay, so that's aspect number one. And, And we hear these things... Um, and and about Jacob and Isaac and Abraham and and we'll learn from uh, Jacob's son Joseph, even that um, in some ways they're giving us life examples, heroes of the faith, helping us to learn how to live. That if you are dishonest, if you do cheat, certain bad things will happen, guaranteed. If, however, you go the other way, some things may happen. And that's on the earthly level. But certainly, God is with you. And that we see with Jacob. Because these blessings came not because he was honest, but because he turned to God. And God was with him. So it's really kind of a a, a bigger picture idea about the have and not have. That this really is an aspect of spiritualness, not so much earthliness and the earthly blessings. Doesn't completely answer the question, I have to admit that. But you are saying that we have the inheritance that's not here on earth. Correct. And what we do have here on earth, we do see as a blessing of God. Oh, you and I could cheat big time and we could get a lot more, but what will happen in the end? Probably thrown in jail. Yeah. and uh, Or shot by a gangster. Now, it's not saying you won't be shot by a gangster if you're honest, but less likely. And less likely you'll be thrown into jail if you don't steal. There are some general things here that do guide us, but they aren't absolutes. But they are speaking about what we have spiritually. And that is when we look to the Lord and trust in Him, He walks with us. He blesses us with things that earth can't take away. Eternal life, especially. Genesis, chapter 31, beginning at verse 1. Jacob heard that Laban's sons were saying, Jacob has taken everything our father owned and has gained all this wealth from what belonged to our father. And Jacob noticed that Laban's attitude toward him was not what it had been. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Go back to the land of your fathers and your relatives, and I will be with you. So Jacob sent word to Rachel and Leah to come out to the fields where his flocks were. He said to them, 
I see that your father's attitude toward me is not what it was before. But the God of my father has been with me. You know that I've worked for your father with all my strength. Yet your father has cheated me by changing my wages ten times. However, God has not allowed him to harm me. If he said, The speckled ones will be your wages, then all the flocks gave birth to speckled young. And if he said, The streaked ones will be your wages, then all the flocks gave birth to streaked young. So God has taken away your father's livestock and has given them to me. Then Rachel and Leah replied, Do we still have any share in the inheritance of our father's estate? Does he not regard us as foreigners? Not only has he sold us, but he has used up what was paid for us. Surely all the wealth that God took away from our father belongs to us and our children. So do whatever God has told you. Then Jacob put his children and wives on camels, and he drove all his livestock ahead of him, along with all the goods he had accumulated in Paddan Aram, to go to his father Isaac in the land of Canaan. You know what I found interesting in the reading that you just finished, Cecilia? What's that? Well, it's not that the the brother-in-laws were getting upset with Jacob. Well, he's taking all my dad's stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. And it wasn't the that that Rachel and and Leah were getting upset with their father Laban because he was mistreating them almost like property and. <laughs> They they didn't have any hesitation about going to uh, yeah. Those two Jacob things are obvious, but the one that's that caught me by surprise is that Jacob said, uh, "The God of my fathers, not the God of oh. our fathers, or the God of Laban." Right. So, what do you make of that? Well, are you? going back all the way to Terah, that is Abram's father? I, I guess I kind of was, because both Laban, Laban and Jacob can trace all the way back to Terah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's about relationships. Not about relationships, excuse me. It's more about a spiritual relationship. Okay. Jacob is saying the God of my father. He's almost expressing, oh, I'm not quite worthy to call him my God, but but that's who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, Laban had drifted away a bit. Um, we're going to see later some of that drifting away. Um, but But we see now that Jacob, the dishonest boy, has become the honest man. And is drifting toward that God. Uh-huh. And in proper spiritual, theological. I like the way you said that, though. Drifting towards. We'd probably say he's being drawn, drawn towards toward, God. Yes. But I like that phrasing. He's drifting towards God. As Laban is, hmm, drifting away. Mm-hmm. 
we learn that as soon as Jacob had a chance, meaning Laban was away shearing sheep three days away, he gathered all his stuff, only his stuff, along with his wives, and left town and started his way. Unbeknownst to him, however, his wife Rachel took what is called the teraphim. I don't know if that's the, well, it says often gods, but we don't know if it's uh, images of, of the family members past or if it's truly gods they worship. It seems to be a religious thing that uh, the family worship. Why Rachel took them? Mm, we don't know. But we pick up now in verse 25. Jacob had pitched his tent in the hill country of Gilead when Laban overtook him. And Laban and his relatives camped there too. Then Laban said to Jacob, What have you done? You've deceived me, and you've carried off my daughters like captives in war. Why did you run off secretly and deceive me? Why didn't you tell me so that I could send you away with joy and with the singing to the music of tambourines and harps? Hmm. It's interesting here. Two thoughts come to mind. First, later on, the children of, of this man, we call Israel, the Israelites, would be fleeing also from Egypt. And they were fleeing for freedom. That's kind of what Jacob is here, too. And the, they were being pursued by an enemy. Here we find Laban is pursuing them. And to what measure? To bring them back? To put them back to work for his good? Hmm. And then Laban seems to use the, the, uh, the cover of uh, rejoicing and celebrating. Just like, um, how about Jacob's mom, Rebecca, when she left the land 120 years before? Hmm. Go on. You didn't even let me kiss my grandchildren and my daughters goodbye. You have done a foolish thing. I have the power to harm you. But last night, the God of your fathers said to me, Be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. Now you have gone off because you long to return to your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? Here we have an amazing thing as well. Because God intervened in Laban running down Jacob and the family. That's why they're safe. Just as the Israelites later would be safe because God intervened against the Egyptians. Yeah, but I got to point out, it seems like Laban is doing some crocodile tears here. Yeah, he is. And isn't that the way it usually goes? Those who are in the wrong usually will bluster and, and talk about force. They try to build themselves Somebody up. Somebody has been picking on me, but, yep. but, well, I could stop it if I wanted to. And he cannot, because God is on the side of Jacob. <laughs> yeah. Read on. Jacob answered Laban, I was afraid, because I thought you would take your daughters away from me by force. But if you find anyone who has your gods, he shall not live. And here we find an amazing thing. This is the difference between the Jacob who came 20 years ago and the Jacob who's leaving now. He's honest. He even said, I'm afraid. He didn't say, oh, didn't you see the note I left you? <laughs> oh, didn't you get the errand boy? Or, or oh, no, we're, we're going to come back. We're just taking a field trip or something. Uh-uh. 
He was honest. I was afraid. And yet, he also, this new boy, talks about... man. Yeah, that's right. Only one God, Yahweh. And if you find other gods, like you say, are stolen, they will die. Read on. In the presence of our relatives, see for yourself whether there is anything of yours here with me. And if so, take it. Now Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen the gods. So Laban went into Jacob's tent, and into Leah's tent, and into the tent of the two maidservants. But he found nothing. After he came out of Leah's tent, he entered Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken the household gods and put them inside her camel's saddle and was sitting on them. Laban searched through everything in the tent, but found nothing. Rachel said to her father, Don't be angry, my lord, that I cannot stand up in your presence. I'm uh, having my period. So he searched, but could not find the household gods. Sitting on the gods. Oh, my gosh. This really says several different things. One commentary I, I, I read said uh, that she was trying to keep the gods for herself. But another one, and I like this thought better, was that she was just uh, seeing the valuableness of, the, of the, um, the minerals and the gems that were in these gods and just was taking it for that reason because she was a believer at this time trusting in Yahweh. You want to know what I think? What do you think? <laughs> it doesn't make it right, but I think she was ticked off at her father, and she knew that taking these gods would really make him mad. Ooh. So she decided, I'm going to get this last bit of revenge, and I'm going to take these gods away. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. That, that kind of fits her attitude, as we've seen, and her personality in the past here. Yeah. Uh, one other commentary I should add said that she she took them so that her father Laban couldn't go to these gods and so find out where they had gone, which kind of links in with what you're saying with uh, get back at the father. I I like that. That that sounds like a devious woman, and she was cunning and devious to a degree. Well, with all of that said, Laban came out empty-handed, and Jacob said, "Okay, now you see." I'm an honest man. And he went through how he had worked for 20 years and had never been dishonest, but was honest to him all the time. Mm -hmm. He told him, I never, your flocks and goats and whatever, never miscarried. And uh, I absorbed any losses. You made me pay for any losses. And so here I am. I'm innocent. So let's read on now. What is it? Verse 43. Mm Mm-hmm. Laban answered Jacob, The women are my daughters, the children are my children, and the flocks are my flocks. All you see is mine. Yet, what can I do about these daughters of mine? 
or about the children they have borne. Uh, come now, let's make a covenant, you and I, and let us let it serve as a witness between us. Laban realized he was caught and couldn't do anything about it because there were witnesses all around. Everybody could see that Jacob was the honest one and Laban was the dishonest one. And yet Laban still saw this as his and that he was in charge. And he had to save face. And he had to save face. And so they made a covenant. In the covenant, three things took place. One, a monument was set up. This wasn't a written culture uh, at that time. And so instead of a writing an agreement, they had a monument that they could always point to and say, see? Secondly, they had a sacrifice. That brought God into the picture. And with the sacrifice to God as a thank offering and a blessing, it, it let God be the witness in between them as well. And then lastly, they then had a meal. You know, it's really interesting these three things aren't, isn't it rather kind of similar to what we have even today? Something standing as a monument, a witness that this is what it is, mm. a sacrifice, and then a meal. We have that even in Christianity. The Holy Spirit is given, the Bible is written, that's the public monument. Mm -hmm. The sacrifice of Jesus' life on the cross, and then. We have a meal, communion, fellowship, I together. Think, I think of it as baptism is the time when there's, there are witnesses that bear witness to us being brought into the family of God. And then we do have a time of praise and uh, worship and in our music and uh, in any offerings we might bring into church. And then, of course, again, there's the meal, the fellowship together, communion. Hmm, that's interesting, Cecilia. You made me pause about that. But baptism is like that monument, a statement that God is at work. child and wife though these all be gone the victory has been won the kingdom ours remaineth it's kind of what we were saying with Rachel you could take away goods but you can't take away the God yeah. never can you take away our God never. because we remain in his hands we'd love to hear from you and uh, hear from you about thoughts on this or on God or and thoughts on Anything, if you've, if you've just come into this podcast and you have questions about past episodes, please write us at info, I-N-F-O, at not-alone, N-O-T-A-L-O-N-E, dot net, N-E-T. And one other thing they can't take away, Pastor Dave, we, we are, are not alone. I will lead the blind by the ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them.
do come back again to room 4216. Credits. Our sincere thanks go to Terry Nord and Robert Vaughn for their interlude music.